All right, Bizzlecast listeners, welcome to um, my exclusive Rogue One review with blues leader himself, Adam Dietz. Adam, I can't wait to talk with you about this movie, but when I texted to see if you were ready, you texted me back, okay, I gotta unload our wounded, and then I gotta hyperspace home. <laughs> and I was like, oh my god, he's living the dream with the TIE Fighter X-Wing thing. It's, I'm living the dream. So we last talked about how I love this video game. I miss it from my youth. It's how I participated in, I think, like, continued my interest in the expanded Star Wars universe. And uh, the Bizzle did some online research and found out a way to get these games and on my computer. I have since got them. I've got a joystick. I even bought a uh, Xbox 360 controller because I had some technical dif- difficulties. But long story short is I'm playing X-Wing and I was just flying an X-Wing right You're now. You're playing a fucking X-Wing. I'm playing X-Wing. I'm actually uh. playing X-Wing Collector's Edition. So hmm. it is. I have three different versions of X-Wing, but I'm playing the souped-up one. Do you have TIE Fighter as well? I do, and I have TIE Fighter also Collector's Edition. Yes, because I do remember that as much as I love playing the Rebels, that there was a jump in TIE Fighter emission quality. Like The game got a lot more complicated and interesting in TIE Fighter. I'm interested to see what your response is so many years later as you go from the, the earliest to the latest and experience them. Well, I'm not going to lie. I've been playing both. Um, oh, nice. So the truth be, truth be told, like I was yes. having technical difficulties, so... I, I might have handicapped TIE Fighter a little bit to have fun because I was just frustrated that I couldn't fire my weapons anymore with that. And I know what I was supposed to do, but I, I couldn't figure out how to do it. And so I did I did give myself a little bit of an advantage. And so I progressed through the game, maybe a little artificially. But um, I didn't want to do that for X-Wing because that's my favorite. So I wanted to make sure, sure before I played X-Wing, I wanted to make sure I knew which buttons did what. And so that's where I'm at. Yeah. Well, I mean, you can always go back and play again. You know, that's what's great about those games. Is that that's what's great about. Yeah. So I just was flying an X-wing. I was I was red too, and I was telling the Bizzle that. Um, welcome, welcome to the squadron. Thank you. Well, I don't know who. The, <laughs> I I don't think you want to claim responsibility for the squadron friend because <laughs> I um, of 22 enemies killed. I killed 20 of them. And so I don't know what my co-pilots were doing, but they had like a thumb up their ass and couldn't do a goddamn thing. And it's very frustrating. I may or may not have back in the day purposefully to get them out of my way, killed my own wingmates in those games. Dude, you can't, <laughs> I can't do that. It's <laughs> terrible, it- man. It's I terrible. Hope, I hope but you that's remember the Empire when you did that. I was just gonna say, you feel horrible about it if you have to do it in the Rebels. But once you're the Empire, you're like, oh, Darth Vader does this all the time. Yeah, 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 that's no problem. Well, you know, it's so one one distinction between the two games I've noticed yes. is that you can call for reinforcements as a as an imperial fighter, which is nice. So it's like, mm-hmm. wow, there's a bunch of shit going down. Let me get some backup. Mm-hmm. But as a rebel squadron, you, I mean, understandably so, there's no backup. Like you're already the odds are already against you. So you know, there's no backup, which is yeah. a nice segue into our lovely movie Rogue One, where it is and. Fu- the fucking cavalry came, dude. They came. The cavalry came. Actually, twice. I mean, the, she, we'll get there. Jin left for the planet with way more people than I thought were going to go. And then they got the real cavalry to come. But then the Imperial cavalry came, and this is the best space battle ever. Yeah, so it's great that, you know, uh, we're reinvestigating games and other Star Wars properties, as always happens with the movie. And if that was the only side effect of, of a decent movie, was getting into this other stuff. I'm reading a Star Wars book for the first time in like 20 years 
because it's related to Rogue One and actually really good. Um, and I, I haven't got a chance to watch Rebels yet, but I got the whole thing DVR'd and, and, and queued up. We're going to get into all this stuff, Adam. But as Blue's leader, I want you to take the lead on this one. And the first thing that comes to mind when you think of Rogue One review on the Bizzlecast. Uh, well, the first thing is that I think... You know, we talked about expectations and desires and dreams for that movie. Just absolutely exceeded anything I could have hoped for. I absolutely loved the movie. Um, had a blast. I, I, as I said to you, I think it's you know top three, no lower than top four of any Star Wars movie ever made. Um, it was great. I think, I think everything was good about it. I mean, not everything. There's definitely one major thing which we can get into, but we'll get I think that. that I think the acting was great. I think that the plot was really good. I think that the the, the context was great. I mean, I think there was there's a lot of political statements. I mean, one of my favorite things about the movie yes. was the um, how not black and white the Rebel Alliance was. You know, it's like totally. there was there were moments when it was like, hmm, I'm not sure if I like what the Rebel Alliance is doing. And I love that there was the general that had. I don't know who that dude is. I mean, he seems like an Israeli dude, but like they have the Mossad agent, like, dude, go kill this guy. And it's like the secret mission and there's different agendas. Diego Luna. Who are we talking about? Oh, Diego Luna. Yeah. Mossad. Sure. Every, anyone who has an accent is Israeli to me. So <laughs> yeah. 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 It's, it's like a Mexican Spanish accent. Um, Oh, oh, you're saying be like the Mossad. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I love that they, just to piggyback on what you just said, I'm going to throw it back to you in, in a sec, is that I loved how they complicated the alliance. I liked how a lot of the alliance was, you know, were considered extremists, even within the alliance. And then that was really cool. Yes. You know, there were a lot of alliance members who didn't want to fight, you know, who were just wanted to roll over. And the fuck, and what's great is there weren't a ton of aliens in the movie, but I love that the aliens were the ones that ultimately said, fuck this, we're taking the fight to them. And the fucking calamari with their powerful ass ships and great st- strategizing, you know, were there at the end. Couldn't be Admiral Akbar because that ship was going to die. Uh, but uh, man, that was that was such a cool thing. And and just to um, top off your comment about the Mossad version of Diego Luna, I had no clue that he was like a semi double agent in this movie. That was a really cool surprise that was early in the movie. These days, there's not a lot of surprises early in movies because they don't give them away, right? In the trailers. Like I felt, like I felt like the, this was not ruined by trailers for me whatsoever. This movie, it wasn't. I mean, I think there was so many great. Yeah, I mean, I think you talk about the best space scene, the best space combat scene ever. And I mean, although it's controversial, the Corvette move. I mean, they, that wasn't in the previews, and thank God it wasn't. Like that was awesome. Like, that was absolutely awesome. <laughs> the only thing that's controversial about it, if it's the greatest capital ship moment involving two ships in a space movie ever, or, like, the second greatest. <laughs> that's, for me, that's the only one. We'll get back to that. Oh, I know I, your buddy did love it. Well, is, he just questioned, like, the, the feasibility sure. of it. We'll get back to nitpicks. But, it, oh, in, in general, the space battle was ridiculous. But I, but I would love for you to get back to what you're talking about, you know, with the, the political side of the movie, which I thought and predicted and hoped all at once was the case, that there would be a really political edge to it. And, uh, you know, they couldn't have known what our situation would be when they made this movie a year, year and a half ago. But I thought it resonated on a lot of levels without being preachy. Yeah, I agree completely. And I think I think – with any political situation, I think really exposing that things are gray and there's not a black and white. And that's, excuse me, that's to me is politics. And, you know, I mean, you and I have talked about Hillary Clinton and, you know, I think, I think, I, I think that without getting, going down that rabbit hole, I, I love that that movie had 
complexity in terms of what the rebellion actually was and who made up the rebellion and that it wasn't necessarily a unified front and that there are different there are different politics involved and different agendas and different um, manners of getting what you want to achieve. I, I, I thought that was really good. And I didn't, I definitely did not expect that. Like I thought that was great. I, um, you know, this had come out two years ago. Uh, it, we would have been like, Oh, look how cute, you know, Reagan esque politics are, you know, like it, it was the case with the, the original movies. Like we're so much past that, you know, like it's really cute portrayal of good and evil. And yeah, there's some, you know, the mixed good guys, but now it really, it, it speaks to the truth. I think, I mean, it, all the people who just want to like roll over, it's like the people who are normalizing Trump as fast as possible. You right, know what I mean? Right, like, absolutely. You know, absolutely. like I just, I, I, I wasn't trying to bring anything extra political in my brain to it but you know it, it was hard not to as i talked about in one of my reviews uh, you know the movie's all about the division within the left basically right i mean yeah the, the right yeah. wing's united and taking over the world and the left can't figure out how to get along and it takes the left of center to kind of get things going uh to put my own editorial spin on it but everyone else is is you know i actually know it takes saw Guerrero's far left to get it going and then it takes the the, the militant part of the left uh to, to, to with the calamari and so forth um we, we might as well start there man in general about Forrest Whitaker the character of Sakura I thought was cooler than I was prepared for and the, the, again completely. the twist agreed yeah. completely had no idea that was coming and that was great great character great yeah just like the, the, what who they were and what their makeup was I thought was really cool and I think you know the protectors of the temple like that was really cool and that it didn't feel forced, no pun intended. Like I felt like that that made sense, and um, it, it just made the, the 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 this galaxy far far away more complicated and gave it more character. As did I think the scenes. Uh, I loved in this movie. I loved the scenes down in the cities and the towns. Mm, and Jetta was around the towns. Yeah, it was really cool. It was like really yeah. cool. It kind of reminded me of Blade Runner in a really good way mm. of just being in these towns and seeing how people lived and watching, yeah. watching the empire and watching them, you know, spread the yoke of power and control. And yeah, uh, yeah, I, I, I think I thought it was great. And I think it was, it just felt like a sophisticated movie for it. It didn't have to be. And I think it, it was, and I, I, again, it really exceeded expectations. Totally, you know, you're watching the the uprising and Jeddah as they kill what whoever is left, what, you know, whatever refugee remains alive. And I'm like, I never expected to see children of men in a Star Wars movie. I mean, yeah. I guess it was PG-13 and it was late at lasers, but it was an absolute slaughter by the yeah. side that had way more power uh, to, to the side that had no power until, of course, you get the amazing duo of Donnie N and I forget that actor's name. Um, uh, Chirut and uh, and Chirut's older brother, or whatever, were amazing together. Those two, um, but uh, yeah, and that's where Sagrera was based, somewhat conveniently. But you talk about you know how kind of intelligent the movie was. For example, this was like the, the the most logical way in a Star Wars movie we've ever seen a group of main characters get together, which is yeah, yeah. that they specifically go after Jin to go to Saw Gerrera because they hear that there's an agent going to Saw Gerrera with information that they need. Um, and it's that which unintentionally sparks the, the rebellion by involving Jin and having everyone around her die. And you know what I mean? Like it, it was really logical, even while following the star Wars path. I, I don't know if I'm explaining this well. No, enough. you are. I mean, it's, I think it's, 
I mean, if I'm if I'm understanding you correctly, it's like okay, how likely? Okay, Ray and Finn come together, then they find the Millennium Falcon, then Han and Chewie find them. It's yep. like okay, come on, but like, yep. you know, yeah, this 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 made sense, and I I, I think it, it felt a little bit more believable. Yeah, well, and I think part of it's also just about filmmaking. Like in Star Wars, they're like, we don't want to take a lot of time getting from A to B to C, so we can really live in those moments. I like the way the characters came together and it felt believable. And I think they still had different agendas until their agendas aligned. But, but what I liked was there was actually a ton of planet jumping in this one. You know, yeah, I mean, yeah, that was, yeah, was yeah, going to be yeah. the end of my point was, is that part of the reason you have characters come together easily is so that you don't have to, you know, you cut out two, three, four space trips just to get there. You know, here they like, nope, we're going to make all the space trips necessary to get this plot moving. And, and I loved it. I love that there were names for the planets. We usually don't get that. I think we saw more planets here than most of the other movies combined at some point. Right. I mean. Absolutely. And not only did you see the name of the plans, but you saw what their function was or like what the Empire had reduced their function to. And that yep. was that was really cool. Yeah. All absolutely. Right. So let's start geeking about specific things here. Speaking okay. of planets. Okay. So Vader is still on a lava planet. Is that the planet where he where he got beat by Obi Wan, you think? Yes, or, or I think I think so. You do think so, okay. I do. And or it's the planet where Darth Maul is from and it could be the same. Right. Um we might loop in some Rebels if we feel like it later. I, I tried to research how Maul came back. There's no official word about how that happened. I, I can um, tell you. So he never died. According he got to, cut in half. Well, it doesn't mean he died. <laughs> Apparently not. I mean, there, there are some organs that I guess, you know, I mean, I guess he doesn't have his own penis anymore. But yeah. that doesn't mean that you die. I hate to, t- hate to say that to you guys, Bizzlecasters, assuming that. <laughs> Whatever species he is has penises, but um, be that as it may, um, I always just thought that was like WWF war paint myself. I mean, he didn't, he did not die, so yeah. okay. it, 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 you would think being cut in half is a mortal injury, but apparently it was not. So he survived and was revived, and actually, apparently, he his initial legs back, he had like spider legs, yeah. like he was like put on some spider thing. <sighs> And then had to be revived, and there was like magic and all this stuff. But he never died. That's that's the answer to yeah. our question. I, I, I'm only going to say this: which Darth Maul looks cool, and that was a great fight um, in the first movie. But you know, we, you and I both defend uh, Episode Three, but the fact that they have to rely on bringing back a good but not amazing villain who just looked cool and got cut in half shows you how weak the prequels were overall in terms of like legacy stuff to come out of it. Like, you know, even before this whole canon thing restarted a few years ago, most of the books were either, you know, directly before or directly after the original series and not around the prequels. Like the prequels didn't do a lot outside of the movies, except for the video games and stuff like that, which they were, you know, in toys. I'm wondering if Rogue One does a little bit of both, right? Sort of has its own little mini universe here, but also sparks renewed interest in the early days of the rebellion, which we didn't really know about, and which were much, much more turbulent and violent than maybe we thought. Yeah, and I think I think with the prequels, I mean, the only prequel that seemed to really matter is is really the third one. I mean, it's really yes. seeing the term. I mean, that's the thing everybody wanted to see. And you know, did you actually need the other two movies aside from making money? Like, maybe not. I mean, it's kind of cool to see this cute little kid become like a total dick. I mean, that's that's I guess what's interesting. But um, well, he's definitely a dick. I'm not sure how cute he is. 
Little, little Anakin was pretty cute. No, it was not. That was one of the worst child castings ever. Oh, okay. Well, I think yeah. yeah. The only thing he does well is he does very well in the pod race. It's, it's yeah, quite he convincing. Is, he is a, he's a good racer. Yeah, and, and he's good in the cockpit, even though it's absurd. So, so they, just like Hayden Christensen, they cast young Anakin for his physicality as opposed to any actual acting ability. Yeah, I, I wasn't speaking to his acting. He was just a cute kid. In this movie, and this will be a great transition, I loved the chemistry of the fucking crew, and they never had to tell you anything to to reinforce that this is the case yeah i mean the act the acting was great the chemistry was great it it, it did feel believable that these these people felt believable and their their dynamic felt believable and i was invested in all of them it was it was a great the and the droid was great i want to definitely talk about um, the imperial droid how he's like the antithesis of c-3po and how funny that was and how i think if you're a real fan you picked up on that but if not i mean no big deal but that was just such a fun a fun parallel was that wow this droid actually wants to get wants to get into it and you know c-3po is always running away with his tail between his legs That's a great point about K2, voiced by Alan Tudyk of Firefly fame, who's hilarious, and it was the perfect guy to do it, and did all the motion capture, literally walking around on stilts, acting with the actors. That's cool. That's that really robot cool. never looked CGI for a second in the whole movie. It looked completely practical, even though you knew it wasn't. But that was such an Avengers moment at the end. Speaking of Joss Whedon, when you know everyone's we're buddies, we're gonna go do it. Yeah, suicide mission. And he goes to Jen. He goes, "I'm with you, Jen." Cassian says, "I have to." <laughs> <laughs> that was very good. It was yeah. a very funny. I, I enjoyed that a lot. The robot was great. Um, K2SO. I have a BB-8 toy for Rufus. Rufus, my dog, has a BB-8. nice. And he loves it. And I get to make the joke all the time. It's like everything about this release was just a little bit a little uh, sly in a good way you know I mean I know there was tons of hype but the Force Awakens hype if you recall was like almost oppressive. And you know, and I wonder if me and you were able to enjoy our first watching of this movie more than maybe our first of Force Awakens, um, because there was slightly less hype, and, and and you know, this movie didn't have to do as much. And that's one of the things I loved about that is that they didn't have to do as much. And because of that, you had the actors acting well, as you pointed out, but they were almost underacting in a good way, like. With all the death, you know, and, and the drama, can you imagine how many, like, corny moments there could have been that they resisted? I mean, even her dad's death was handled with, like, excellent, um, subtle skill, I thought. Um, they were, they almost were underacting at moments, but, but Gareth Edwards, the director, just knew when to, you know, give him a little personality bounce. I thought Diego Luna's character, for example, was much cooler than, than he was, uh, maybe set up to be. The only thing I just wanted them to make out, dude. I mean, it's like, come on, like, when are they going to make out? Like, when are they going to make out? When are they going to make out? When are they going to make out? And yeah, I'm a little disappointed they didn't make out, but well, other than that, you know. that's fine. I'm glad they didn't make out. Honestly, I didn't know if they were going to push the love story at all. I, I like that there was definitely an attraction, but they both realized that the world was at stake, the universe was at stake. And, come on, man, uh, you got you got one moment left. You're not going to like like bang like the hot chick come on or the hot guy come remember, on remember this is a mythological retelling of a story man and and so in the real version of this they do make out what, what the, it's a retelling in the movie version they don't because that would have been so cheesy and the only thing that would have been worse than that is putting like high st- strings swelling strings above it i'm so happy they just let the apocalypse moment happen and this is going to be our biggest bone of contention we're sort of jumping around topics here you should feel free to to steer this 
any way you want. Uh, you know, Adam immediately after the movie texted me, I, I, you know, I fucking loved it. The music was terrible. Then clarified that, it, you know, the, the, the title music was terrible, which it was. It's debatable whether it really was title music, actually. There wasn't anything particularly thematic about it. It just sounded like music. Um, so for the listeners, as a music fan uh, um, and lover and musician yourself, Without being too pretentious, explain specifically what you didn't like about that musical cue. And this will be a nice little look look into the mind of Adam Dietz. No problem. And, you know, to be honest, like, it really, it really jarred me. Like, I was very, very disappointed. So, I mean, the first thing that happens in, in the movie is you see a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. And then there's this, like, kind of, like, loud sound and we're in space, which was cool. Okay, so if we're not going to have... Star Wars or the text crawl, like, okay, so we're doing something a little bit different here. And, you know, it's a little disappointing, but I also respect it. Like, we're doing something different, so fine. And we're in action, things are happening. And then we get to the title screen where Rogue One pops on the screen. And it's almost as if we're doing um, the Star Wars theme, like John Williams' Star Wars theme, except he, they, it isn't. And it's close, but it's not. And it's almost like, when you were watching a TV show and they're trying to replicate like a Mission Impossible. Okay, well, wait, hold on, hold on. This is a perfect place for me to jump in. This is where I thought you were going with it. And I went to wait for the podcast. So you are saying, what I think you're saying is that the, it was bad musically, but it was worse because it was trying to be something it's not. That's correct. That's what really bothered me is that okay. it was trying to be John Williams. It was like obviously, I mean, in my mind, and this music. They, they did play the Rebel theme and the Imperial theme multiple times. Uh, right. So that's what. Times. That's what so, so, but we have to we have to go backwards. So, in the beginning, we don't know that there's going to be any original Star Wars music, right? And so, the first real music we hear is this attempt at like John Williams, but it's not. And so, it's like, what the fuck is this? And so, you know, I was really like, whoa, like that was terrible. And it felt it felt really cheap. It felt really lame. Mm. And it took me a while to like snap out of like, okay, this movie's going to suck now, or like it really, wow, it just really. It was a really slap in the face, and yeah, it I mean, just reminds me. Have you seen any Marvel movie ever? Because their music is really not very good. It's, it's uh, not. It's not about the quality of the music. It's 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 about what to me. It's what you just said. It's it's not the quality of the music. It was it was attempting to be something, but it wasn't. And so no. But like what I'm saying mind, is, you were getting hung up on something that happens before the movie even starts. Now, if the music continued to be horrible no, the movie, throughout, the movie did start. The movie did start. The movie was going. You're right. On. You're right. It was after the opening scene. Yeah, my my whole thing is th- there's so much going on for me in my first viewings. I try and compartmentalize. At some level, I was understanding I didn't like that theme music, but it it, it went away quickly because I was focusing on a million other things, and the and the actual action music during the movie was fine. And actually, I would argue better than most Marvel movies, which also have very questionable. Yeah, themes. I had no problem with the music the rest of the movie. I had no problem the rest of the way, but to me, that was such an affront. Like that yeah. felt like that was a really big problem and i think can i can i can i throw a theory or two out there and you feel free and you probably will shoot these down is it possible that the task of coming up with that title was just so daunting in a short time that they just tried too hard and it just ended up being poop absolutely okay because that's my theory but yeah and and you said that to me and i i I buy it and i think it's it's fine and like at the end of the day like i love the movie yeah. But I think I think to what it underscored to me was that music is such a big part of these Star Wars movies. 
movies. And if you right. don't, I mean, especially the original <laughs> yeah. three, like the music yeah. matters. And if it had been pooped throughout, it would have been pooped throughout. It would have been, you know, maddening if that were the case. The only other cue I didn't love was the, uh, when they were um, in the, the big giant archive at the end. It was just two notes going back and forth. It's like, da na 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 Something like that, like over and over and over again. I was like, okay, guys. But then he merged it into like a more interesting action theme right from there. So I was even okay with that part. They should have just gone completely silent at the beginning instead of that nonsense. And I love that they're, and I know you, you would disagree with me about this, if you listen to the main episode one through seven with John Williams, there's music almost every second of every movie. I like that there were long stretches of Rogue One where it was just action or even just meditativeness with no music. But you know, if that's oh, not what you're used to, I don't yeah. disagree with you on that. Oh, okay. I thought you didn't I don't like that. Disagree with you on that. I mean, no, 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 no. Again, like my only beef was just that that opening sequence and just again how bad it was, and it felt to me. You know, just like wow, like get that right. You know, like either mm-hmm. either do John Williams or don't. I agree. Like have it be silent, or go for something completely different. Right. Make it awesome and like own it. Like own that we're doing something totally different here, and it's going to be different and awesome. We're going to get Johnny Greenwood on this motherfucker, and it's going to be yeah. cool. And totally. I just think yeah, we I, talked about that. That would be awesome. Yeah, I just think it was a major major problem. But I mean, in the, I mean, I give the movie again a solid A. Like maybe we're in like a ninety four out of a hundred, and that. That took it away from being a 96, you know, like it was, it was a big flop, but it was a great movie. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think, and we'll, 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 uh, close up the music stuff for now. Um, the, the, uh, the main theme was also made weaker, uh, by the fact that the piece of the movie that came before that was by far the most predictable part of the movie, um, and so, you know, when you see that opening scene, which unfolds exactly how you think it's going to, and then the music, it's, I also briefly was like, uh oh. But as soon as, mm. as soon as older Jen wakes up and tries to beat up the people who save him, save her, and K2 takes her down, and they're immediately on the mission, and you, and you could already see the connection with Sakura and the rebellion and the empire. And, um, I also loved, uh, Bodhi, played by Riz Ahmed, the, uh, the, the, um, uh, the turned empire uh, pilot, um, yes, yes, yeah, who yes. had been, I guess, been cultivated for a while by uh, by um, by Jin Erso's dad, Galen, because not only did he flip, but they had been planning it for a while, and ideologically, he was already. I mean, there's that that one line where he shoots some some bad guys, and I think K two says like, "Well, you're a rebel now," but he was really already a rebel in mind before any of that that uh, that part of the movie. Um, another thing I loved about this movie was sort of the it wasn't a traditional three act structure, you know. And there were ups and downs, and and, yeah. and peaks and peaks yeah. and valleys, and you know the the final part of the movie was way longer than most final parts of any of these movies are. But I felt like we earned it with so much like real drama and sort of political a- action um, up to that point. And the fact that there were so many different moving parts to the final battle, but they were all connected, like in the Battle of Endor. As much as I love the battle vendor, especially the space battle, what's going on with Luke, Han, and then the fleet are connected, but 
you're only reminded about it by them saying, oh, we need the shield generator down. Or, oh, once right. the generator's down, we can blow up the Death Star. Oh, Luke's on the Death Star. Here, they were really, like, putting ships into the shield and trying to get rid of the shield so they could get them out and then get the message out. I mean, I thought that was brilliant. And the, and the whole... Pat, you knew it was going to be physical media. This is part of why we love Star Wars. Is like no wireless connections, you know, for some of this. You know, it's too much data, you know, so you have to pass it by hand. And the whole, I mean, they did beam it up to the ship, but then from that point, they like put it on like a uh, secured zip drive or whatever. And, and then they had the they had the relay going on at, at the end. I don't know everything about the the action in general. The movie worked for me. Um, and, uh, any particular highlights uh, uh, for you, um, either in the final scene or or in stuff before uh, that. I guess the Jetta battle midway through it was, was amazing. I thought the battle scenes were great. I also agree with you. Like, I mean, the whole, the whole end scene and like having Admiral Akbar's homie, like dictate what needed to happen and watching it from his ship, you know? And I think you'd said that like, Oh, Adam's going to love this because the X-Wing stuff. Like it was cool to see like military strategy. And I, you know, we've talked about this before, how, you know, it's, it, we can dissociate with, from, with this movie about military fighting in a way. But I mean, you kind of saw like everybody had to do their part in this battle. Like every little part mattered. You know, there's all these different fights happening, and pretty pretty incredible to watch it all unfold. But by far the best action scene was Darth Vader kicking major ass. Like that was awesome. Like I loved every second of that, and um, I think it was like just the right amount too. Because you know, I guess it was it was said that they weren't going to go heavy Jedi in this movie, but yep. Watching Darth Vader kick ass was awesome. Yeah, I think kick ass and slaughter, uh, you know, has a fine line, but it was important that he was slaughtering because... Well, that's Darth Vader! That's Darth Vader, and that's what's supposed to happen, and... You know, Rogue One really made you earn the Princess Leia reveal, because you kind of knew it was coming, but you didn't know when or how. Once Darth Vader boarded the ship and the thing was on the ship, I guessed that the Corvette was inside that ship. Um, mentally. I'm not just saying that. I was like, okay, that would make sense, and this can be really cool. We'll probably see Princess Leia from the back. I didn't expect to see her face, which looked amazing, even though I knew it was CGI. It looked so good. Um, and her voice, I don't know how it will... Maybe we'll get back to that, but yeah. So you have Vader slaughtering. After all of the good guys are dead, man, they break out Vader. That's how mean these filmmakers were. They just killed everyone we loved and cared about in the movie. And then we have Darth Vader slaughtering, and you're going, okay, how are they going to get away from... With this and the fact that they just hand yeah. it off in time to launch the ship, um, which then the Corvette drops out in, in hyperspace, and you realize, oh my god, Vader was like twenty feet from Leia. Yep, and he's going to go get her really soon. And he, she was there the whole time, specifically for this reason, and that's why they set up her dad, played by Jimmy yep. Smith, who yep. t- they were talking about Obi Wan without talking about Obi Wan. This was the whole plan was to get the Death Star plans and give it to Leia and have Leia get it to, to Kenobi. It was awesome and. I think you'll agree with me, man. This did not fuck with continuity at all. I mean, no. you literally had a movie where the heroes of the rebellion all died, and we've never heard of them. But it makes complete sense why we had never heard of them before until now. Absolutely. Well, I mean, I, I would say, I mean, the Leia scene. I was, you know, I, I the, you know, blues leader doesn't know how to cry, but <laughs> but I was as close to crying as I've ever been. I mean, I was that really. I didn't see that coming at all, and that just. Even if I had, I mean, even like I I'd said to you, like even writing about it, like it just really struck a nerve. Like it was just awesome. Like I, I was, it was beautiful to me. And I, I just felt very emotional when like, seeing Princess Leia. And this, my favorite thing about this movie is it made, it made me excited to be 
into Star Wars again. And, you know, I think the prequels were not great. And, you know, when Lucas reissued the movies with like the, the addition of CGI creatures, like not really cool additions. And so this was the first time it's like, wow, like this was great. Like, I love it. And I've, I've always been in the Star Wars. Like, I really like it. Like, it's probably, if I had to pick like my favorite movie series, it's Star Wars. And so this made me excited to be into Star Wars. And it almost made me feel, it almost validated I'm into something that's not totally stupid or lame. Like this was great. And it was, it just, it just, it just really made me excited to be into star Wars and it it made me want to be into star Wars again. And luckily for us and Disney, it proved despite having decades and decades of, of of extended universe fiction and, and video games and, and, you know, fan fiction and comic books and everything, we had never, ever had a movie that wasn't centered around the Skywalkers. And to pull one off so gloriously, it, where you have you know connection with the Skywalkers, but you know in a sideways kind of way, I think just opened up so many possibilities. Um, I, I think yeah, this increases the sure. chances of what you know we had all been sort of talking about leading up to this was that you know they're going to be able to make standalone movies going well into the future, regardless if they decide to con- uh, continue the uh, saga movies, episode seven, eight, nine, et cetera, afterwards, right? I mean, and not only that, they, they did this in a time that we did know about, and so they had to use information we knew about and add new information. Oh, by the way, um, I don't know if you read through the whole, uh, um, what do they call them? Not spoilers, the, the uh, Easter egg stuff. I know there were at least one or two Rebel things going on in this movie. Did you spot anything? Um. Did I spot anything? I think their ship was shown. Um, yeah, they, they said that their ship was there, and I guess the droid was there. Um, yeah, I don't think I don't think I had other. I don't, well, I, I I think that the who's the Imperial droid that's with them? K two S O. So I feel like a droid like him is in Rebels, and I don't know if it's the same one, but huh. he's there's there's a. Maybe not, because I think that droid goes back to the Clone Wars. But. Sure. What did you know was going to be part of this movie going in, and it was executed maybe even better than you thought, whether it's a character thing or a plot point? I can't, I can't go to anything specific. It's, it's just the macro view of we all know what's going to happen at the end, and it's how we got there where you know this is episode, what, 3.95? Um and you know, a, a buddy of mine made their appropriate joke, like it's the text crawl for, you know, a new hope. And you could have you could have just shown it be very, like it just made it the plot, like here is how they got the plans. But it was so complicated, and there's so many different layers to it. And it was just awesome, like they got there. But I think there was so much creativity involved in getting there. Yeah. I just really love that they did it the way they did it. Like they, you know, they yeah. they they owned it. They totally went for it. I I mean, I'm going to give mine, and I'll let you have final thought, and we'll close. For me, the thing was that n- not only did they have Jin Erso be the reason that the entire rebel uh, rebellion w- was inspired to a new level of action, but that it was b- completely believable within the story. 
you know? I mean, they could have just been like, hey, this is Star Wars. Jyn Erso's the lead character. She's great. She inspired the rebellion because that's what our lead characters do. Nope. You know, like, it was like, a, you know, she didn't even realize she was inspiring them, you know? She was right. just trying to achieve right. one thing at a time. She talked about take the next opportunity, take the next opportunity. That's the speech that gave me chills. Her last little speech there, you know, about we're going to do this until we're dead, basically. Yeah. Um, I, I like that they were telegraphing that. And the fact that Princess Leia was to, was in the battle and knows about Jyn Erso and was probably inspired by Jyn Erso and never has to say anything about it is awesome. Hmm. Hmm. You know? Hmm. I mean, Leia's watching that battle probably going, I want to be out there kicking ass, you hmm. know? But, like, she was too important. Hmm. Um, and so they tucked her inside the ship, but she knew everything that was going on on the ground. And then maybe, you know, we'll see a fiction in the future where the Skywalkers between Episode 6 and Episode 7 talk about Jin and her crew mm. and, you know, that there are legends mm. about them. And I don't know, like, to create such a new little pocket and, and both mesh and expand continuity, it seems like an impossible task and get a good movie out of it. And they got all of that and more. They did. They did. So, um, all right. So as a, as a means of uh, signing out... Um, I would like you to, uh, well, you can do whatever you want. <laughs> you're, you're blues leader after all. I mean, um, you're the guy. Uh, <laughs> um, although apparently I should not, f- uh, fly with, w- with your squadron because you're, you're really harsh on your, uh, well, it's not that, Hey, look, well, I mean, two of them <laughs> died, which makes me sad. And then they weren't very effective in what they did. So I just, you yeah. know, it's cool. I just kind of, you know, I mean, obviously it's a gameplay thing, but I, I yep. feel bad for them. I would have liked to see a little bit more efficacy for their cause. I mean, if they died, sure. I would have liked to them I mean, at least take out like yeah. a ship or something. Maybe that's oh, how that's, they died. That's what I, I wanted to, to – the last point here really quick was just the way that, yes, we had the main six crew or whatever, but there were a lot of grunts with real like important actions and speaking lines uh, – in the final the final act you don't see that in star wars movies ever it's like the lead four and that's it you know this this you had dozens and dozens of characters with speaking lines and important roles so that when they did start just you know killing uh, start killing good guys it, it hurt more than usual uh, especially because you could tell in this context they were definitely dying right am i wrong like in some star wars context they sort of leave it open whether they're actually dead this seemed definitively dead they killed a lot of people a lot of people died. I mean, and if they weren't dead before, I mean, the Death Star, yep. you know, blowing shit up, you know, that definitely ended stuff. I mean, you don't yep. survive that. That was beautiful at the end there. Yes, it was. One year from now, we get episode eight. We go back to the characters that we love and hope to get more development from. Um, I think that movie has a lot of pressure taken off of its um, its chest. Uh, its shoulders, I should say, at this point. Because the first one was better than it had any right to be, despite its flaws. But the, there was enough flaws in Episode 7 that it actually opened some opportunities for Episode 8. If it had been too flawless, you know. Um, and then Rogue One, they, they determined that audiences will tolerate a much more dark and, and violent scenarios in Star Wars than maybe some people feared. And so the fact that that's being directed by Ryan Johnson, who's a, like a dark uh, writer and director, who's been involved with everything uh, from Breaking Bad to uh, you know to like uh, dark uh, indie sci-fi movies. Uh, I, I mean, the movie's shot; they're editing it now and doing stuff. Um, are you more pumped for it than you would be before? About the same? I'd say I'd say 
same if not a little bit more i mean i'm pumped up for it you know in a way like it's it's i think what rogue one did is it it, it almost says like we don't have to follow that line that storyline there's other storylines yep which is why after rogue one i actually am less excited about the han solo story not because it's not gonna be good but just because this made me want stuff you know even less directly connected to the skywalker saga but yeah i, I can't say i'm excited about the han solo story i'm not that doesn't interest me as much as as you know. Maybe it'll be cool, but yeah, I'm I'm definitely I'm excited. I I, I want to see what ha- I definitely want to see Luke. I want to see what Luke does, and I want to see yeah, I want to see Ray's character uh, more fleshed out and definitely learn. And I, I thought Kylo Ren was actually really good. So I'm, I'm so I'm good. I think Adam Driver's gonna get even better in this movie. Yeah. yeah. Darth Vader. By the time we we get through the whole Kylo Ren saga, Darth Vader is going to seem even flatter than than usual from a character standpoint. Oh, I don't. Yeah, Darth Vader's great. I mean, he Darth is great, Vader's- but he's not great because he's three dimensional. He's great because he's the best one dimensional villain ever. <laughs> who, 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 seriously? Who? But but who ends up having a heart? You know, after slaughtering so many people. You know, one character I would like to talk about. I I forget his name, but he's he's the Death Star guy. Um, Krennic. Yes. Um, I think that actor did a great job. I don't think he had a good English so accent, good. but I, I did watch. Which is funny because he is actually English. Is she really? That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, dude. He, he has a, he has a little bit of like a lisp in real life. So that's probably what you were yes, hearing. He does. Ben, Ben, ben well, Mendelsohn. No, I know he has a lisp. Yeah. I know he has a lisp because I watched, um, Bloodline on show. What is it? Netflix. I watched the first season of Bloodline. I'm sorry. He's Australian. Right? He's Australian. Yeah. So I watched Bloodline the first season. I, I, I have not liked the second season. But I thought the first season of Bloodline was great. And he's excellent. And mm-hmm. I was very happy with his performance. I thought he did great. And he was excellent in the movie. And I loved Darth Vader choking him. That was awesome. That was great. And, <laughs> and Ben, ben Mendelsohn actually can be quite funny. And oh, I yeah? Saw an, yeah. And I saw an interview with him um, uh, like the red carpet screening or whatever, like they had online a few days before the uh, the actual release, and he said uh, someone asked him. I guess he knew he had had some comedy in his background. You know, were you able to work any of that in? He was like, well, given the circumstances, not so easy to work in comedy. But if you caught a little bit of that quirkiness, which you liked and I liked about his character, that's where that's coming from. Is him him throwing a little twist um, in, into the normal, you know, mustache twirling. Uh, you know, Empire bad guy because you know Dom Hall Gleason, God bless him, who's an amazing actor. But uh, you know the the redheaded uh, admiral who uh, kid in the first uh, the Force Awakens, the the commander, you know, who gives yeah, the I, big speech, the big yeah, yeah, speech. Yeah. Um, he he just plays it straight, you know, evil. This this was a lot more interesting. And the thing is, man, like you know how they sort of more than hint that him and. Uh, Gail and Erso used to be buddies, and we see the flashback actually that she dreams about where they're kind of hanging great, out. That was great. That was also excellent, and I think yeah, it gives humanity to the Empire too, which is good. You know, I think it, it gives that a little bit more depth, and we need that. Um, I also, what about the Death Troopers? What's up with that? Oh yeah, Death Troopers were badass. What, what do you mean? Oh, I mean, so why don't we see them again? Like, what's what's going on there? I guess those were his troopers. They've been in the literature for a while. Like, I'm pretty I'm pretty sure Vader had Death Troopers. We don't see them in the original movies, um, but I, they were nicely used here without being. I mean, they were just the best. You know, the best assassins. I guess I don't know if they're yeah, programmed. The uh, I don't know if they're clones. I don't know if they're you know programmed the way the uh, the, the the new the um, 
Uh, God, I'm losing track of all these manifestations in the Empire. The First Order, excuse me. Um, yeah, they felt a little First Order-y, which was cool. They did, um, they did, they did. Yeah, but um, just really quick on Ben Mendelsohn and uh, and Mads Mikkelsen, who played Galen Erso. So the book that I'm reading, t- it, it, which is really just a backstory book, it's not a lot of like action, it's called Catalyst, and it's specifically about Galen and his wife, um, who was pregnant with Jen at the beginning of the book, and it, it takes place during uh, the Clone Wars, um, and basically the planet he was working on was taken over and, and he was arrested by Count Dooku slash Trade Federation forces. This is when Palpatine was still Chancellor. And so he ended up actually be, being uh, very, and this adds to the moral complexity, um, Galen Erso ended up being very pro-Senate uh, um, by the time he got freed that, you know, it was in the early ages, uh, early days of the Empire when it wasn't even really an Empire. And so he's buddies with with uh, with, with uh, Krennic, and Krennic gets him on the project before he could even realize like what he was working towards, and that's why he tried to run run away, ultimately. And the whole thing about them um, uh, with the Force crystals, the Kyber uh, crystals, you know that that power the uh, the lightsaber, and that they were like raping that Jedi, Jedi Temple of to power the Death Star. So <clears throat> Galen Erso was actually like in green energy, basically. In the beginning of the book, he's creating ar- artificial crystals, and it's that technology mixed with the actual crystals that leads to the, the power of the Death Star or whatever. Um, so it just played out really well. I'd only read like the first third of the book by the time I saw the movie, but it, it completely reflected that more complicated relationship. And, uh, and yeah, just as a, as a response and, and we can close on this, you know, you not being excited about Han Solo, I'm not be- excited about, you know, seeing Han Solo is th- this movie proved that you can ha- introduce all new characters and still be one of the best movies. But right now the two movies that are lined up are Han Solo and I can't believe this is happening and people want it. A Boba Fett movie. He is the most overrated, worthless piece of shit character ever. I don't under, this is, it, Boba Fett is the, the epitome of what I hate about some Star Wars mega fans, you know, B- because he looks cool as a toy that drives yeah. his popularity yeah. is yeah. ridiculous. I, I, well, the only thing I think that's cool about Boba Fett is that he was connected to the clones. I think that is kind of cool, but I don't know how much more complicated that gets. I mean, I think it's, Oh no! Now, now we have a much more complicated character because of the prequels and especially the Clone Wars series. I, I, I don't know if he's in. Re- uh, no, he can't be in. No, uh, no, he can't be in Rebels. Wait, uh, what? when does it take place? No, he I don't could think be he's in Rebels. I don't not in Rebels. But anyway, he's he is in Clone Wars big time, which is where his you know his rejuvenation began. But but I'm just saying, you know, but the the reason he was popular ever in the first place were for pretty stupid reasons. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you there. I'm with you there. And so, point being. If, if Rogue One of the nine movies, essentially, um, that, that goes from 1977 to three years from now, ends up being the least connected to the main story and the main characters from the original movies, that will be a little bit of a disappointment for me. Because this proves they can go further afield. They can do what I talked about, which is to talk about the beginning of the Jedi like 3,000 years before. That would be badass. They got to do that. That would be badass. You know, um, and uh, you could even add some like flash forwards in that movie, so you could see some of it, current stuff, but still base it most in the past or just the whole thing in the past. You could go way beyond. I mean, they'll have to wait till episode nine happens, but hopefully the the, the next standalone will be like, let's jump, you know, two hundred years after the end of episode nine. Like, where's the universe then? 
I was going to say, were you disappointed that there wasn't a Yoda sighting? Um, no, because they talked about Obi-Wan Kenobi okay. pretty openly with Senator Organa and Mon Mothma. <laughs> so I, I was okay with that. Uh, I'm, I'm good with less Yoda. I mean, it's hard to watch like CGI Yoda now. You know, it, I mean, I really analyzed CJ Yoda to death when I rewatched the prequels uh, last year uh, and did some commentaries. And, and even in Revenge of the Sith's best moments, it doesn't look as good as the puppet. It doesn't. Uh, yeah. It doesn't. I mean, dude, that scene in Empire where, Yoda, where Luke doesn't realize it's Yoda and he's like climbing and Luke best. stuff. His little feet, his little Yoda feet. His little feet and he's throwing stuff and he's getting food. I'm like, how do you get a puppet to do that? So a live cute. camera? I have no idea. Um, no, I don't know. Yeah. So, okay. So Yoda sighting, what else would you w- w- like to have seen or been cool seeing? Um, we didn't see any Han Solo or Chewie, which is okay. That's intentional. They just killed Han. We can't go back to that. Well, um, what else would I have liked to have seen? Well, I, 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 I am, this will be the first time I say this. I don't know how rebels is going to end, but you know, this Ezra character is a very compelling character, like a four strong teenager orphan teenager like same old same old where is he when all this is happening and i told the bizzle like is he the father i am your father of um ray that's i'm gonna put it out there i he i don't really think it's his progeny but it could be i'm just gonna throw it out there there it is it just makes no sense just the dark horse theory it's the dark horse theory well no that's like the that's like the black hole dark horse theory (laughs) the the dark horse theory is obi-wan or kenobi if if obi-wan wasn't laying there like low hanging fruit then i would be more open to it but like the number of people who ezra's live have touched compared to i mean the real world (laughs) compared to obi-wan you know I, i i mean i'm not saying i prefer that i might prefer your way especially if all of us watched rebels but that would be a, that would be a tough sell because it wouldn't mean anything to most of the audience, right? I, I think. Um, but that's I think that goes back to your first point. Does it matter? I mean, do we have to? Connect? Well, then why, why connect it at all? Then it, then then don't have it be any have it be anonymous like they claim it is okay. so far. So it could that would be. be cool though. So does the timeline line up well? Because he, I don't know that. I don't. Yeah. Know that. I'm not doing my math, but I mean, well, he can't be much younger than Luke. He might be older than Luke. That's that's very possible that he's older than Luke. So there's okay. So there's 20 years between episode three and episode four, basically. So where in that 20 year spectrum is Rebels mostly? Is it in the first ten or the latter? I mean, 10? I think Rebels is right before Rogue One. I think it's like maybe a year before Rogue One. There's got to be a timeline. I'm sure there is, but like there's I'm, be a I'm, I'm saying it's like a year before Rogue One, or it's leading up to Rogue One. Okay. So. So Ezra's like a teenager. So I don't know if he's got his pubes yet in this movie. And so he's, uh, I mean, Luke was supposed to be younger than he, you know. I mean, he had his growth spurt. So he's had his growth spurt. Maybe he has pubes. But let's, let's say he's Luke's age. I mean, he's, <laughs> Why are we talking about Ezra Bridger's pubes? How did that happen? Well, I mean, we're talking about if he, if he, could, be the, if he could be the father of um, Ray. Here we go. Timeline of canon media. All right. Okay. It's so big, it's slowing down my computer. I'm not even kidding you. Oh, so <laughs> it has all the episodes of like Clone Wars and so forth. Okay, here we go. By the way, I was right about the New Dawn being directly connected. The book, the first new book that they re- published a couple years ago, 
I said in our podcast, I thought that was directly connected to Rebels, and I believe it's the Rebels characters in that book. It's supposed to be good. You might want to check it out. Ew. New Dawn. It came out in 2014. So, okay. So, oh, the other character I want to ask you about is Ahsoka. But, um, so, yeah. okay, Revenge of the Sith takes place in a year they call 19BBY. And then, immediately after that begins uh, Kanan's little saga. In the comic yeah. books, okay, okay, and then that's Freddie Prince Jr. That's Freddie Prince Jr. And then Ahsoka is eighteen BBY. Okay, so we're actually counting backwards in here now. Okay, Star Wars Rebels. Here we go. You ready? I'm ready. Star Wars Rebels: Spark of the Rebellion, which I believe was the movie right before the, there, which was the movie before the season started. It's called Star Wars Rebel Spark of the Rebellion by Simon Kimberg, who has done Daredevil and The Martian and a whole bunch of stuff. Star Wars episode, Star Wars Rebels episode one, season one, episode one, was is five BBY. Okay, so that is seventeen years after the the Clone Wars. Okay, so if that's seventeen years after the Clone Wars, the most recent Star Wars Rebels episode takes place two years. Before Rogue One. Okay, that makes sense. Two years before Rogue One. Okay. So he's basically Luke's age. He's Luke's age. So he's got to die, right? I mean, what else could happen to Ezra Bridger? Or he could be the father. But or and, but still he'd have to die, wouldn't he? I don't know. Maybe he meets up with Luke post-Return of the Jedi, and then he's one of those to, to get killed by the uh, the First Order? I don't know. We have to... Uh, that's, that's, um, that's why hmm. I'm curious what happens with Ezra Bridger. Like, why are we developing this character... Okay. If he's this much of a badass, like what what happens? Like, wh- where is he during a new hope? You know, does he die? Like, let's how do we get there? So that's that's. Dude, um, we should totally co-write fan fiction on this. I will fight. <laughs> I'll, I'll do the fighting pilots. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, man! This is fun. I'll cut that whole timeline together. I just wanted to to go through that with you to see if we could make sense of of everything. Yeah. Um. You know, and uh, and to be fair, you know, I, I think in Star Wars time, you know, Return of the Jedi happens like five or six years after where Rebels is right now. So, and then there's like a 30-year jump. So anything could happen. Just to wrap up what we said, yeah, I like that there's stuff like Rebels. I hope we get more of that on TV or or, or the movie. So, um, cool, man. Um, any last things you wanted to, you wanted to share um, about the movie, do you think this movie will go down as high? This will be my final question. Do you think this movie will go down as highly on most people's lists as it seems to be on yours and and probably mine at this point? I don't know. I mean, I guess people aren't liking it too, right? So, I mean, I haven't heard the internet's liking it. This is the opposite of most things. The critics aren't loving it, but the internet nerd that I've seen is is liking it. I mean, the buddy I saw it with loved it. Like we both yeah. loved it. And and women are loving it. My mom loved this movie. I had a bunch of friends who took like their lady friends all love the movie. It, it's weird to think this would be the one. Um, but I guess Jin was, I mean, let's put it this way. Everyone liked Jin in the movie, but the women I talked to liked Jin more than the men I talked to. Or like made more of an impression. I guess shouldn't be, you know, a big surprise. 
Um, I, I think it's just a testament to how much uh, uh, Felicity Jones was able to do with relatively little time on screen and being kind of unemotive as being part of her par- character, right? Is that she's kind of stoic. And I, I, I thought, it, you know, a, a great, and um, this will be my final thought, was a great touch was that, you know, not only was Diego Luna um, as Cassian a, a co-lead, but he actually had more screen time than she did. Um I did not see that. Yeah, he was he was a big back character. Yeah, 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 and totally a guy in the what you would think a guy in the early days of the Rebel Alliance would be like, which goes back to your whole Mossad thing when it was when things were darker. Um, I guess the only other story we might not get is during the time of the original trilogy where things you know darker on the ground than they led us to believe. I think the answer to that's yes, but. Um, th- th- this more than hints at it. That's for sure. Yeah, it does. It does, and it did a good job of that. I I just love that the, the home base of the movie was Yavin Four. We kept seeing Yavin Four over and over again. You know, and that shot of the guy in the trees. Yeah, l- l- looking that, at the sp- ship. That dude. Yeah, this is I guess the next step, man, to tie the games and we'll tie a bow on this. Is to like, like if they would make a new fucking X-Wing V TIE fighter, then they could just add expansion packs with each movie. Be like, hey, here's the Rogue One expansion pack. So be badass. You yeah. know what I mean? And like, so, hey, here's here's the Episode 7 expansion pack. Okay, so if you were fighting in that battle and you had to choose, would you try to go down into the planet or would you try to blow up the shield on the top? I mean, based on my video game skills, I'm a better space simmer than a shooter. So if we want to convert computer gaming skills, as I told you, you know, the only, the only serious long-ass single-player game that I've ever beaten with all the expansions on, on the hard difficulty level was TIE Fighter. And that's because I played through it like three full times, you know, over like a, a couple of years and just got really fucking good at it. Um, so I would have been up in space. I'd be happy to, you know, take, take one for the rebellion, but I would be much more useful trying to crash star destroyers together and blow up their shield turrets and so forth. Okay. So no, what I meant is, so if you're, oh. I'm, I'm giving you, Sorry. you're flying, you're flying, you're flying yeah. an X-wing, mm-hmm. which you have tried to go through the shield and got made it down oh. onto the surface to blow shit up on the surface. Was that, was that blue team by the way that did that? I think that was your guys. Those, those are my boys. I think that was the blue. It was the blue team. Yeah. Um, well, I would have done whatever they ordered. No, because Red Five, Red Five blew up trying to get through the shield. He didn't. Oh, so up. it was the red team that went to try yeah. to go through. Te- oh, blue team, team was one. Yeah. Um, I would have done whatever was ordered of me. Um, but I'm asking what your preference is. Yeah. I mean, when you're my preference would have been to stay in space. Uh, for you sure. stayed in space. Oh yeah. I think I would have liked to have made it down onto the surface with an X-Wing and just fuck shit up, dude. That All right, was... well, th- dude, that's fine. I'll just take Blue's team and you take Red team and then we'll, you know, we'll... But it all it all connects, man. It's all a unit. You can't you can't let my guys get away with anything, though, man, because they can be a bunch of a bunch of pricks if you don't put them in line. So don't don't you know don't worry with red team, you know, if you have to like bust bust a few asses. I just want um, everyone to do their job, you know. It's like yeah, just, just do your job. Oh, good. Okay, well, your team's all idealistic, so I won't have to do much disciplining. That'll be great. No, just do your job. <laughs> um yeah the flying the i mean i love it you know i love return of the jedi but this was the best space battle ever um, oh yeah and that'll be my final final thought i mean just seeing the way they move the cameras around with the the x-wings and y-wings um around the star destroyer they hinted at those shots a little bit in return of the jedi but couldn't pull them off but man the biggest thing for me is we have reached the point 
where CGI Star Wars battles look like they're using models, even though they're not. I, I And that's, I think, something no one's talking about, because maybe it's seen as superficial. But this was the first time I've ever seen a space battle look as, as real, quote-unquote, as the original trilogy, in terms of them looking like models and not just computer images. I don't know if you agree. Just the amount of texture that they had and the lighting and so forth. Yeah, I don't know if I pick up on that that detail, but I I liked it. <laughs> but like, but like when the, when the when the Star Destroyers did crash, you know whether you agree with how they did the maneuver or not, I, that looked spectacular to me, and just oh, you know yeah. ri- ripped off the top half of the other thing. And oh, it was badass. I mean, let me just put it this way: go if you go watch the Guardians of the Galaxy battle from a couple of years ago, it's so clearly shiny in, in sort of the prequel way, like. The, the the gap from the prequels to Guardians is smaller than the gap from Guardians to this, I think. Um, and this was a $200 million budget, which is less than the Avengers. It's less than Captain America. I mean, it's amazing. They're giving the Star Wars movies less money than the Marvel movies, which they're making three a year. The Star Wars ones are one a year and have been yielding at a much higher rate, not surprisingly. So, um, yeah, I'm thrilled to see this. I'm definitely back in Star Wars mode. And, uh, you know, I I hope you do get another chance to see it because I didn't like it more on my second watching because I loved it so much the first time, but I I, I did love it equally as much and was able to really focus on some of the the, the nerdier things. Um, And I just can't wait for the digital file or Blu-ray to watch that final battle over and over and over again. You know, it's going to be like childhood. (laughs) Yeah, buddy. May the force be with you, Red Leader. May the force be with you, Blues Leader. Um, and I appreciate you doing this. Um, and uh, any, any last thoughts about anything you want to give to the Bizzlecast audience? Maybe a, an inspiring message of change and hope? <laughs> well, it starts with each of us, right? So we all have to take positive forward direction in, in the way that we can. And as, as Jinner so said, you know, you, mm. you just you keep going to the next battle and to the next phase. And then you do the next thing and then you do the next thing. So you can't, you can't, get it all done tomorrow you have to you have to do a then b then c then d so start with a i agree with you uh, and i think that that it is actually really applicable that people need to stop trying to go after everything at once right now get recenter themselves let's see how the next couple weeks unfold and formulate plans but you got to take one step at a time we need division of labor. We need all causes to be addressed, not just the sexy ones. And I think that this movie was also great in sort of uh, talking about that. You know, like someone's got to do the dirty work, and a lot, sometimes that's the, the most important, but it's not always the sexiest. Um, so um, awesome, brother. Great to hear from you, Blues Leader. This is going to go up immediately. Bizzlecast listeners, hope you enjoy. Feel free to write us. And uh, yeah, buddy, we'll be in touch soon. Thank you, my man. May the force all be right. with you. Force be with you, and the Bizzlecast is out.